Good morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to the bloody awesome movie podcast. My name is Matt Hudson from What I Watch Tonight, and joining me from across the pond, as ever, is a man who, whenever he feels down, I look at him and say, "Don't worry, darling, it's going to be okay." It's John Burke from Burke Reviews. How are you, sir? I'm doing okay, um, Mr. Styles. How are you this afternoon? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I wish I had his fame. Well, not actually, no, I don't want his fame. I like his fortune and some of his looks at least. But yeah, I'm doing very well, my friend. Um, uh, I just got out of the theatre for tonight's film. So it is very much a straight out of the box review. But before that, yes, no, I'm fine. I'm feeling better than I was last week. I seem to have recovered somewhat. Still slightly um, hoarse on the old throat, but I know how much you don't like horses in films but hopefully you don't mind them in podcasts i'm okay though how are you are you keeping florida safe and well no we have a hurricane heading our way um Mm-mm. and uh it's you know it's that that anticipation and apprehension period where we're not really sure how bad it's gonna be and um you know we've taken precautions and such so it's it's just now like the waiting game which kind of sucks so yeah, well, hopefully uh, everything's going to be fine. Um, I got the message from JB about that earlier on. And um, yeah, for those who are in that part of the world, fingers crossed, touch wood, that it's, uh, it passes without incident. But um, uh, I certainly hope it does for you, John, my friend. Um, well, hopefully maybe tonight's film will um, ease the nerve somewhat or soothe the soul. It's a film that I know John and myself have been i don't know about quietly anticipated we've been anticipating this film for most of the year uh and then the drama hit and then more drama hit and then the film dropped and of course that film is don't worry darling uh going into this if you haven't seen the film don't worry we're not going to spoil it tonight but we will drop a spoiler review on monday with all of our thoughts on the film so if you haven't seen it don't worry we're not going to give any spoilers just our thoughts up top uh, on the film but as as a precaution we are going to need a spoiler re- review to really get into the nitty-gritty so um it's directed by uh florence Pugh. i mean olivia wilde directed by olivia wilde don't believe the hype maybe you should written by katie silberman and carrie van dyke and shane van dyke and it stars florence Pugh as alice chambers harry styles as jack chambers olivia wilde as bunny Jenny Gemma Chan as Shelley, Kiki Lane as Margaret, Nick Kroll as Dean, and Chris Pine as Frank. Uh, again, no spoilers, but the synopsis does say a 1950s housewife living with her husband in a utopian experimental community begins to worry that his glamorous company could be hiding disturbing secrets. Uh, now, the Rotten Tomato score for this film is currently at uh, 78%, which is higher than I thought it is. Um, I'm going to flip that round. The critic score is 38%. So the critic score is 38%, and the audience score is 78%. Something just clicked then, because I thought, I'm sure critically this wasn't right. No, no, John, nothing's ever your fault, my friend. Uh, So 38% critically, 78% audience. So we're getting that audience-critic split there. The meta score is 48, so slightly better. And, you know, the IMDb to score 6.3 and 3.2 out of 5 on Letterboxd doesn't scream of an awful film. So uh, if you want to watch this film, you can do it. It is available in theatres only 
currently. Now, uh, yeah, like we said, there's been a lot of drama, a lot of hoopla surrounding this film uh, about he said, she said, uh, Shia Buff was cast in it. Then he left the project for whatever reason you want to believe. And it's just nice to actually finally have the film here to talk about. Um, and let's get into it. You know, my favorite thing about the movie is like, it feels like a movie. It feels like a real, like, you know, go to the theater film movie. The reason why you go to watch something on the big screen said Harry Styles about this film and his convoluted muddled, um, uneasy interview is how I felt coming out of this film. As I say, I've just come out of it. And, um, as somebody who really, really, really wanted to like this film, I did not like this film. I liked moments in it. Uh, there's a particular scene at a dinner table, which I found to be very compelling. Uh, I think Florence Pugh is very good. It's almost become cliche to say that now. Florence Pugh is very good. Chris Pine's good as well. I think, you know, Chris Pine's good in his in his kind of menacing role. And uh, I thought Kiki Lane was probably the most developed of the rest of the characters for me in the actual film. Um, other than that, JB, I wasn't a particularly big fan of this. I think it was... I think it was a bit messy. I think the script was weak or it was simple, but it didn't, it wasn't executed. Well, I didn't find myself intrigued by the mystery going through in hindsight, the first half of the film, let's say where they are building the mystery or, or, or you're living in this utopian experiment as a synopsis is, and you're trying to work out what's going on. You know, I was vibing with that. I was digging that because you know what what is happening hasn't quite been revealed yet so i i'm not going to lie and say i wasn't in, into that i just wasn't gripped by the thought of what could be going on here um and then by the time we got to the end the i'd heard that the third act was uh going to be divisive and i just didn't like the th- i think the third act twist is bonkers it, for me it is I, it, I know that there is a script rewrite and in the original script rewrite this third act twist made an awful lot more sense here i don't think it does it just seems to come out of the blue somewhat for me and um there you know there, there are messages within the film of uh empowerment and um heeding back at misogyny and the patriarchy and the control but i just don't think they're particularly well fleshed out and i look at something like book smart i think we know the characters there were very well developed i understood their motivations Uh, i i could i could i could get i got the characters you know i mean i felt like i knew them i felt like i knew what they were trying to say and what they were feeling at all times and you know the story in itself was a coming of age story but it was it was well written it was a strong film with strong performances this I just think it is a messy film, JB. And I genuinely wanted to enjoy this film genuinely, but I just think it's, it's basic to the point of just not anxiety inducing that. I can't, I don't want to bring myself to say it, but it's very basic. And for me, for me, John, and there were people at the end of the screen, and not me, because I'm not silly, but people at the end of the screening having a good old giggle when the film ended. Um, I think it's because they're more out of, they just wanted to leave the cinema. I didn't because yeah, it's not me, but the, 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 the way the film ended, I just kind of felt, oh, was, was that it? It felt like I'd been sort of dropped, something dropped to my foot and I was like, ow. You know, and then once it was all done, I was like, is, 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 where do I go from here? I've got a bit of a sore foot or in this case, a bit of a sore head. 
and I don't feel any better for the experience I went through. Um, I'm trying to think of anything more that I enjoyed. I think the, um, I don't, I don't think the direction's half bad. I think the direction of from Olivia Wilde is, is good. There's some cool shots. The visuals are stylish and the cinematography is, is, is good. Some of the shots really pop off the screen. There's some great use of color in the 1950s vibe is very effective. I think, um, uh, I know you, I'm, I'm going to leave this point to you about, you know, Shia LaBeouf, Harry Styles in that lead role and who could have done what, but I understand your initial point on that, that you mentioned off air, but yeah, I think, yeah, stylistically, I think this film is, is good narratively. I wasn't a fan. And also the music didn't really work mm. for me either. I thought the music was, um, in certain parts, slightly distracting, but, uh, yeah, a film, John, that I, I, genuinely wanted to like john I, he knows me i know him i went in with this with all the expectations to enjoy it but i liked florence Pugh in this i like certain elements but overall it felt it fell flat for me john but um where did it fall for you jb and what were your thoughts as well on the on the leading man situation um definitely more on the positive uh i i liked the movie i i had a a good time watching it um Again, we, we are keeping the spoiler free, so I can't get into some of the things that I liked about the third act. But um, I think some of the complaints you have are justified in the nature of that reveal, though. Like, um, especially mm-hmm. in terms of character development, some of the there's reasons we don't know a lot about some of the characters, and uh, we can't get into that without you know getting into the the third act. But I think there Holy is some justification there um, for not knowing some of the people. In some ways, that might feel like a cop out with some of the the, the twists, but um, overall, I was I was really engrossed with Florence Pugh, which I am a big fan of hers. I I don't think she can do wrong so far, um, and I think her performance is dynamic enough to keep me engaged with the film. And that's the thing about the movie in general. I think it's it's constantly moving and engaging. There are some weird scenes. There's some laughable scenes, but some of that makes sense. Um, again. Uh, I don't, I don't know if uh, the complaint that um, messages being on the nose that that gets thrown around a lot, right? That's a phrase that we hear a lot when a movie yeah, yeah. has this point of view, um, and people are, well, it's on the nose. It's like, I mean, it's only on the nose because you got it. If you didn't get it, you wouldn't say it's on the nose. But you would be like, oh, I don't understand what the point is. So, like, sometimes I don't know if that's a fair complaint. And um, not that you didn't make that complaint, but I, I have heard that no, no, thrown no, around about this. Um, and again, I'm also not advocating this as like a masterpiece. Like, I, I think this is a very like middling movie with some moments of excellence and Pew being the big moment of excellence throughout the yeah. whole film. Um, you, you know, there's a lot you can, you can kind of reference here. Uh, the cinematography is by, um, a, a regular Aronofsky cinematographer, um, Matthew, uh, oh boy, Liebet, Liebet. La I'm assuming La it's French because it, that's very um, interesting. By the way, that point you've just made because when I was watching it, sorry to interrupt, I thought mm-hmm. I genuinely thought I would love, and I hundred percent, I would love to see someone like Aronofsky tackle this subject. Yeah, and some of the some of the sequences feel like an Aronofsky movie, um, and some of those are in the trailer. Like, there's some very like surreal type moments uh, in the trailer. You don't fully understand why those moments are happening. It makes a lot more sense, I think, with the whole context of the movie. Um, but you know, I, 
Styles is the one who's getting obviously the most uh, vitriol because he's not an actor traditionally in this traditional sense, which is kind of nonsense because everybody's not an actor at some point, right? Like you become an actor. Um, and I don't think he's bad. I don't think he's good in this either. Like I, I think he's just kind of going through the motions um, where Shia LaBeouf is notoriously a very talented actor, problematic personality. And I do think his current uh where we have heard stories recently and stuff would have added some weird context to this film overall um yeah that styles didn't but now styles and the drama and all of that i don't know this feels like a movie that was primed to be hated by the critical community um because the production design the costuming the performances for the most part all around i think work really well I, i don't necessarily think anyone really stands out um, outside of Pew, like, um, Kiki Lane's, uh, apparently she's, she said some of her scenes were cut. Um, okay. and I, I get that cause it does feel like there's, uh, some elements of her character missing a bit. Um, but this movie is just over two hours. And so if we would have put those back in, it also becomes, well, what do you cut out to keep it in this, this time frame? Cause it's, it does feel a little, like long-winded at a point there's a couple of scenes that i think uh maybe feel superfluous or repetitive um and and making a point that like later you're like well okay but at the same time we could have done without that and there's there's some there's a few things that i think don't fully make sense and the the thing i want to bring up with that too though is a lot of sci-fi and a lot of horror that are allegorical when scrutinized after viewing won't hold up um because they're more about the the moment and the intention during that moment that you're supposed to have a feeling or a thought or a reaction to something that yep. logically it may not make complete sense. But I don't know that it has to, you know, like it, I think it depends on what your intention is. If your intent is to create a ride, like a roller coaster ride, I think, I think Peel has even discussed this and us is a great example where a lot of the logistics of us do not hold up under any kind of logical scrutiny but when you're watching the film it's atmospheric and it adds to the the experience of the the story that's being told and i think that's what don't worry darling is able to do for me at least and again i don't think this is as good as us nor do i think it's as good as nope from earlier this year like i would put this like three out of five for a you know a star rating on i on a letterbox for example but you know it's getting a lot more twos and some ones and I, you know, I, I get that. Uh, I, I do. I like where it goes um, and I can see why some might not, but it, that's kind of a, a thing that I tend to like this type of twist that occurs. So I'm not surprised, but um, overall I, I, I don't, I didn't have the, uh, the, the hatred that some have had. I also still though, I, I'm not sitting here advocating. This is the best movie of the year. I do think Pew would, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put her off of my top five performances for the year though. Like, I don't know that she doesn't deserve that. In fact, with all of the drama and all the, the rumors and speculations, maybe she deserves it even more because she still delivers a incredibly charged performance. And there's so many little nuanced moments that I think she is just outstanding. Um, and I, I do, I think she carries the, the scenes with her and styles, to his betterment. Like, I think he looks better because she's not just leaving him in the dust. She's bringing him along, you know, 
every time he can't deliver the emotion, because he is kind of like a blank slate, vanilla type character. I think she's able to kind of, you know, balance that back out. So that, that was my take. I, I didn't hate it, uh, but I, I don't love it, but I do. I, I definitely, I'm willing to say I liked it. Yeah. And that's the honesty you'll get on the BAMP is if one isn't a fan and the other is, we're not going to shy away from it. Um, and we'll always, uh, be forthright in that as well um and i'm glad that you have that opinion as well because it's it just adds that extra layer to the show as well but um on styles yeah i don't think he was awful i just uh i think when you're up against someone like florence Pugh, who is just in in this film just this ball of like frantic energy it's just chaotic energy and she's so damn good most people are gonna fall short of living up to her and again in, in that in that one scene i mentioned the dinner scene there are people on the table who are better in the scene than harry styles is who admitted he doesn't have an awful lot to do but again he's not i don't think he's awful when people are saying oh he's got to give up acting he's terrible no i just think that you know with with more roles becomes more experience and with more exposure to the more seasoned actors you will only get better i think so i don't think he was terrible in any means um i do like the fact that they he kept his accent but florence Pugh was uh, asked to do an american accent which kind of baffled me somewhat but it is what it is but yeah no i i'm a big fan usually of these kind of films like you you uh, i can't i can't i can't really compare it without giving giving things away so i won't but yeah there are other films which feel similar to this which i am huge a huge fan of so that's where the disappointment lies for me when all is said and done. And I kind of compare it to similar films. I think ah, almost like what, what could have been, but you know, it, it is what it is. And, uh, I, I don't think it's a one out of five film. Let's put it like that. But again, if you do, then that's totally your prerogative. Uh, so John, do you have any more you want to say in the non-spoiler section before we move on? Nah, I'm good. He's good. John is good. I'm good too. So let's move on to our next segment which we call Chuffed Headlines. We take a movie or pop culture news headline that caught our attention for whatever reason, and we share it with the world. So, JB, what have you picked this week? Well, I'm going to be honest. I didn't even read the full article because the headline, I think, is enough to really get, like, my, I'm like, oh, this is what's next, huh? Um, And the headline is Paul Bettany to co-star opposite Tom Hanks and Robin Wright in Robert Zemeckis' film Here for Miramax and Sony. And... Um, I wasn't sure what Zemeckis' next movie was going to be after Pinocchio and after mm-hmm. Hanks kind of, in my opinion, I think we kind of shared the opinion that he kind of phoned in the Geppetto thing, um, mm-hmm. that they're teaming up again uh, right away, apparently, just getting right back on the, the old wooden horse uh, in the uh, cuckoo clock of doom. And um, <laughs> I don't know much about here, but it's a graphic novel uh, by Richard McGuire. Um, it's a time travel of sorts, though, apparently. Uh and in that way, the time travel element I do find interesting because Miramax keeps rearing its ugly head, and I don't understand why. Um, I feel like <laughs> you would let Miramax go. Like, no one's like, oh, remember Miramax? Because Miramax is so heavily attached to Harvey Weinstein that to yeah. continue using it is a little surprising. Like, um, apparently Miramax has the, the international distribution rights, though, and Sony has the uh, domestic um, but nevertheless, it it feels like a weird choice to keep that going. And there was another movie recently that was Miramax that I was just like, really? Why? Like, why are we why are we promoting Miramax on things? Um, mm-hmm. But uh, 
yeah, Zemeckis back with Hanks, uh, Robin Wright, and of course Paul Bettany, uh, who I, I tend to like Paul Bettany. So um, I'm intrigued. I'm a little nervous if it's a time travel thing, what kind of weird uh, technolo- technology um, Zemeckis is going to try to bring into this. Is he going to make this motion capture? Like, is it when they time travel, will it all be motion capture? You know, it's just the whole Zemeckis thing is like, I think he might be on his way out anyways. And then this seems like a weird follow-up uh, from the last couple. Cause you know, he did allied and flight, which were a lot more grounded in reality. Um, and then he's now done uh, the, I keep forgetting the name of the, the Steve Carell movie. Cause it's not very good. Um, Marwin. Marwin, which is uh, Pinocchio. And now we're going time travel. So, I mean, but then again, Back to the Future was his, so yes, uh, true. Let's let's see. Um, I I don't know. Are you are you interested in here? Um, I guess I, in, as soon as you uh, you said to, to, uh, Paul Bettany and Tom Hanks, I'm sure that's a Da, a da Vinci Code reunion. I'm sure. Oh yes, but, it is. It is. I'm sure that's it. Yeah, I, and that's what kind of struck me. I was like, ah, huh, two actors reuniting on screen for the first time in I don't know what sixteen years, maybe. Um, unless I'm forgetting another film that they were in. Um, I've got to be honest with you, JB, uh, without meaning to sound like Debbie Downer all night, not really, because Mm -hmm. I I mean, I'll I'll always love Tom Hanks. I mean, how, even if, you know, we say Geppetto may not have been his finest role and I wasn't the biggest fan of his in Elvis either. It's it's Tom Hanks, man. It's just, it's Tom Hanks. I'm always going to be here for a Tom Hanks movie. I, I like you. I'm generally a fan of Paul Bettany. I think he's a very good actor. And um, teaming up with Robin Wright, I think Robin Wright's a very good actress as well. But it's the Robert Zemeckis thing which is now putting me off. Not that I think he's an awful director or is or needs to, or needs to jack it all in and give up. No, I don't think so. But that we, you know, uh, uh, what did I mention? Welcome to Marwin, Pinocchio, um, the other one in, in between. His name I can't even remember. Allied wasn't a huge fan of. He's got the last four, at least four films. Just haven't done it for me, so that's now put me in a position where I kind of expect here to not do it for me. But I hope it does. Again, say the same thing I've said all night. I will go into every film with open mind. So I hope it's a great film. But the trust isn't there at the minute, JB. Even with Tom Hanks and Paul Bettany, the trust isn't there that Robert Zemeckis can deliver uh, an engaging film, an entertaining film throughout, or one which is more than just a few entertaining scenes overall. I want. Zemeckis to deliver something strong because he can do and even since Back to the Future I mean it's not just obviously a one or two hit wonder Zemeckis has given us some very good films but his more mm-hmm. recent output is what kind of turns me off the idea and it doesn't make me as excited as I would have been say five or six years ago to hear this but um hopefully hopefully it's good JB the Miramax thing yeah I, I find that strange and it does leave a sour taste in the mouth when when you see uh, the name come up and even though, you know, I'm sure there's people in the company who are, you know, far removed from what happened, but it's just a name, isn't it? It's the association. It just feels yeah. wrong. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm here. Oh, excuse the pun, but I'm here for it, but more so for Paul Bettany, Tom Hanks and Robin Wright. Yep. Agreed. Um, What's your headline for the week? I, I I picked two. I mean, the main one is the latter of the two I wanted to speak about, but um, I just wanted to throw in the news. I mean, there's probably three. I didn't even mention the Halloween end, Halloween end trailer, but uh, the last of us TV series, I, I'm having, this mm-hmm. is the kind of quick one because we cover TV, but we're mainly film. Um, 
just at the first trailer drops on the last of us day pedro pascal bella ramsey starring as joel and ellie we've got the first look at the clickers in the show um i love the games so much and the characters i cannot wait for this hbo show to hit uh, i was just more interested in whether you saw it or i've seen any of the images and what you think about the show um up top the idea i did i did see it um hmm? I am a big, big fan of the games, uh, both yeah. of them. In fact, yes. I am a big defender of number two that a lot of people, I think, unjustifiably hated. Um, I'm, I'm also big, big Pedro Pascal fan. Like the dude has done no wrong for me. Like everything I've seen him in, I've really enjoyed him. Even in some of the bad stuff, I've enjoyed him. Um, and uh, the trailer, man, I uh, seeing him as Joel was just perfect. He's just so good at being quiet like he does so much emotion with so little yeah. and that's the right actor for this type of show and it it feels like they have the tone correct i think without you know i don't want to over overshoot that my my hype but this might be the best video game adaptation we're getting um yeah. like of all time because it it feels like the game it looks fantastic and as the headline that you have here implies the clickers look scary in like real life you know like they were pretty terrifying in the game i remember being so stressed out around them the first yeah. playthrough that it, once i got comfortable with like the mechanics of the game though it does become more of like an action game where i'm not really like sneaking around much anymore i'm just like no no i'm just gonna come up and kill you it's gonna be fine <laughs> uh Actual bomb. um but like the the first playthrough i was like so scared of like triggering them and um the 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 trailer man it really hit like i was like okay yeah 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 yeah. i'm very hyped for this Let, let's bring it i mean yeah the clicking sound iconic clicking sound they look practical as well as opposed to cg it looks great and on your point this looks like it could or will be the best video game ap- adaptation because to me it's one of the only there are others but it's one of the only video game adaptations which kind of feels like it belongs on the tv almost in terms of the story and the way that the narrative unfolds yeah hey, look so- sonic was fun but it, uh, you know i never sure. kind of watched saw that and thought let's have a film about that do you know what i mean but yeah but that's not even like a like that's not necessarily a criticism because the no, movie it's not no yeah the movie's not trying to, that's what sonic did right was like they knew they didn't have a way to make the video game a movie so they just took the character and figured out a story to put them in Last of Us has a narrative, and if they want to stretch it out, there are definitely gaps in the story that you could dive into Absolutely. and you know live in that world because that world is lived in. It doesn't feel like we're you know we're only getting a sliver of it, but the world feels like there's so much we could explore. So the show has room to do that. But even if you just tell that first story, it is episodic enough where you can make it work. And man, um, it, it seems like they took a. I feel like The Walking Dead is a similar enough parallel um, to the story. It's not identical by any means, but I think tonally uh, those two, like the game and the graphic novel, and then what we got from the initial Walking Dead, I think before it jumped the shark when, you know, I don't know, season six or whatever. um, I I feel like this has that same vibe and tone of like, they're taking the source material seriously and not just like, oh, well, it's a video game. Like, no, no, it's like, it's a video game that has an epic story that we want to bring to to reality and so yeah i'm i'm very excited to see what they do yeah man i i'm I'm all in on that one so but the 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 other headline i picked up on was um kind of jumped off the back of something i sent john last week but this is from ryan northrop of screen rant uh the headline avatar vfx artist recalls harsh working conditions under james cameron 
Um, and this is a visual effects artist who worked on the original Avatar, sharing the conditions that he experienced working under James Cameron. He said, um, a fun thing about working on the VFX for Avatar was being the only major department not unionized and having James Cameron exploit that fact with endless unpaid revisions, then win a mm. bunch of Oscars. He says, this is from a guy called Nick Sinnott, who was the VFX artist on Twitter. He said, I'm not under NDA about this because the studio I worked for at the time no longer exists. exists. Guess why? Yeah. Yeah. And then he mentioned that the ILM documentary conveniently, um, conveniently kind of skipped over the uh, unionizing of ILM in the 90s and all the rest of it that came with it. But um, it kind of comes off the heels of the re-release of Avatar in cinemas and, of course, the anticipation now for The Way of Water, the sequel, and people saying, you know, Cameron has really pushed the boat out to make these film filming technology for these film, the sequels, you know, new, fresh, innovative, something we've never seen before. And with everything that we've heard from specifically Marvel more than anything else, I'm sure there are other studios that have um, other major VFX studios, which are pushed to the limit and having to work too many hours to produce subpar performances. But it seems like Marvel, like it does for most things, seems to get the brunt of it recently. But it kind of comes off the back of Marvel and Kevin Feige being criticised. Now James Cameron is being criticised criticized for historical failings. But then we're all looking, we'll say we, the, most of the people are looking forward to the way of water and just how that technology is pushed forward. So uh question is, JB, does, does this story leave a bad taste in your mouth as well, leading up to what is going to probably be a technological wonder in Avatar The Way of well, Water? I mean, I wish it was exclusive to Cameron with this particular story, but this is, I, I still don't understand why the VFX community hasn't been able to create a union because almost every other part of mm -hmm. Hollywood has a guild or a union and the VFX artists have been taken advantage of. And listeners, if you don't know about this, there, there's a really great documentary called Life After Pi that is on mm -hmm. YouTube. Um, that came out immediately after Life of Pi won the VFX Oscar, uh, and the company that accepted the award, the company that did the effects, had already gone bankrupt prior to winning the Oscar Damn. because of the, the nature of the industry. Where, um, say I'm a studio, I say I need 100 hours of visual effects, who will do it for me? And then every VFX studio that exists bids on it. Like, we'll do 100 hours for $30 million. And then this company goes, well, we'll do it for $20 million. And so they're shooting themselves in the foot. They know right away they're not going to be able to actually do that many hours for that amount of money. They're going to have to pay more money than that, meaning they're taking a loss from the get-go, but there's nothing to stop that from happening. And so VFX companies close rapidly uh, across the industry, and then they just reopen under a new name, get a new license, and it repeats. Um, and Cameron being a jerk, I mean, that seems to fit his MO, and that's why I was so against liking Avatar, which I will talk about in a few moments. But um, I, I'm not totally surprised. And again, the industry sets up for that to happen, and it's it's why it doesn't it doesn't make sense to me why it's not a guild or a union at this point. Um, obviously when VFX became the norm, it made sense that it didn't exist yet, but it's, we're 20 years into VFX as the staple. Yeah. I mean, we're 40 years in overall. If you start with, uh, light magic or ILM, um, since, you know, star Wars was 77, so we're not quite 40, but we're getting there. Um, 
and yet there's no there's no union for the the VFX community. It makes no sense. And um, there's been pushes uh, like the Life After Pi. There's a whole thing about it. There was um, a lot of uh, you'll see on like social media profiles a green square as the image is a supporting the VFX community. Those come and go in waves, and I don't know why because nothing's been resolved. Like the companies are still getting abused, and it's a shame because again, like look at MCU does not exist. Like literally, there's no sets that you can go visit later. Like it's all CG. People are sitting at computers for hundreds of man hours and designing all that stuff. And yet those people are not guaranteed jobs when it's all over because the company they work for might be done. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm with you on that because whilst I do, you know, James Cameron being a gimp isn't surprising but yeah. you can back it up with the results of his, like, like this guy's almost said, you know, like the guy pushed us beyond the limits, beyond ethical limits and what we should have been able to do. And then won a ton of Oscars for it, including VFX, of course, you know, whatever we think about James Cameron, the person, you know, Avatar, Titanic, aliens, Terminator films. I mean, the guy has, a, <laughs> who can, who can argue against his resume? You know, no, you, you just can't. But, uh, you know, I don't like hearing stories like this. But on the flip side, like you say, there's got to be a way for people to get their their heads around the table and work, thrash this out now and get unionized so we get fairer working conditions for extremely talented but seemingly overworked and underpaid people. Um, and I'm getting, look, I, I also imagine, you know, the people who do these jobs. This is, is obviously it's their job. This is their passion. But you know they're getting to work on Avatar, on on the next Avengers film, on the next Star Wars film. What I mean, this is you know probably probably like a passionate thing for them. Oh yeah, like a, a life goal for some of them. And you want to come away with the feeling that you, you've achieved more than just losing out on years of your life for you know something that other people are going to get the credit for but um yeah that was my one for the week then including the last of us but this week there was tons of other stuff we could have spoken about the halloween ends trailer dropped and it's unsurprisingly not very good um but jb should we move on to our next segment my friend yes sir here we go opening the door to the next segment which we call media consumption and here we talk about the movies, TV, streaming series, video games, music, podcasts, which aren't ours. Whatever we've used to pass the time since the last episode. So, John, what you been checking out, sir? So, um, as per usual, blank check. Uh, they they did the Women King because, or the Woman King, excuse me, I typed incorrectly. Um, and uh, because they they did Gina Prince uh, Bythewood right after Old Guard came out back in, um, I think, during the pandemic. And so every time a director has a new work that they've covered, they bring that, they do a one-off episode to keep the, the filmography going. Very cool. Um, and a uh, good episode. Um, I really big fan of that movie. I can't wait. We're, I, I think we're talking about it very soon. Cause I believe it comes out for you this week. Uh, it comes out on the 7th of October. Oh, so it's another week. Oh, we got to figure out something else then. Um, so, uh, that said, um, I've been watching some stuff, uh, I just like you just saw Don't Worry Darling. I just watched House from 1977. God, dude, uh, what did you think, man? Wild movie. Like the yeah. use of uh like I assume green screen technology um or chroma key in some capacity because there's a lot of like frames being cut out. I guess maybe it's all actual like um rotoscoping. I'm not I haven't done any research on how they did so many of the effects. Wild stuff. Uh Matt, I don't know if you are a fan of My Chemical Romance or not, but I raised a teenager. And so <laughs> uh, 
we we went through the emo phase uh, kind of together because when they were actually popular, I was like anti emo because I was like hardcore heavy metal, and you yeah, couldn't have too cool, both. Too cool. too cool. And so my daughter though got into them, so I've listened to a lot of them. And there's a part in the in house where she plays the piano, right? And <laughs> the note hits. It's the, it's the G, and I'm like, um. And then the notes follow. I'm like, okay, that's eerily close to the Black Parade. So I Google House 1977 Black Parade. Other people have stumbled upon this similarity as well. Whole <laughs> article. And I'm like, okay, that's wild because uh, like, it's it's such an iconic piano riff. Uh, most people can recognize it within a few seconds, right? So like the second I heard it and I was like, no. Um, that's quite cool. I hadn't really thought about yeah. that. But um, yeah, wild movie. It's um, I am participating in the uh, a podcast that you listen to, and I've now listened to a couple episodes. Um, Nightmare on Film Street's Thirty One Days of Horror, and yep. I'm I am getting a jump on it uh, because one, I, as <laughs> I've mentioned, there's a hurricane coming. I don't know if I'll have power on the first or not. Uh, mm. I hope so. Uh, fingers crossed. But I wanted to. I'm like, well, I might as well watch start watching some horror movies because even if everything goes smoothly. I already know there's going to be days in October that I'm going to not be able to watch a movie. So I'm just like, I'm just going to start now. I'm going to start hitting my 31. And that was my first one. It was a first time watch. I've never seen it. Um, it's been on my list for a, a while now because it's on Criterion as well. It has that very iconic box art, which I didn't know what that was supposed to be. And now having watched the movie, I'm like, oh, never would have put together that that's what it was. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, uh, I definitely liked it. Definitely uh, positive on it. Super wild though, super super weird. Nice eighty eight minutes though, in and out like boom. Yeah, um we like that. I was a little worried it wasn't going to end before we started recording, and then you're like ten more minutes. I'm like, okay, I think it's yes. on like, the last two minutes, so it worked <laughs> out uh, quite perfect. Good um, timing. Last night, uh, our local Regal Theater, and I guess all the Regal theaters actually had a uh, five dollar mystery movie. Um, and uh. You weren't going to know what it was. You pay five bucks. Um, and the only thing you knew was that it was an upcoming movie. So it was something that was coming out soon, but it was like a pre-screening, but no other information. Um, and what they didn't do a good job of marketing in the initial phase was that if you are a Regal member and you bought the $5 ticket, you also got a $6 small popcorn, small soda combo. Nice. Um, I happened to catch that, but they it, they would have had even more people at our screening had they advertised that, I think. Um, but we did have... Like I got there early, like I normally do, and there was only like six people. I'm like, oh no, this is gonna flop, you know. And I, I had a friend. I had uh, Big Tuna was coming, and um, friend of uh, the the show and my editor uh, David was also coming. So I was like, I was there before them, so I knew there was gonna be at least like seven of us. But then it was, I think it ended up being like almost thirty people, which on a Monday night at seven o'clock, pretty good turnout, oh, I gosh. thought. So I'm, it sounds, and they they sent a follow up survey today uh, asking if you enjoyed it and would you come to other ones. So I'm hoping this is maybe going to be a thing they do. I'm all in. Like I'm five bucks for a movie that I like. Uh, in this particular one, I got to see the greatest beer run ever, the new um, Fairly Bro. Well, actually, it's just Peter yeah. Fairly. Movie that is my understanding an Apple TV Plus exclusive, which means I probably would never have seen this in the theater if not for. You're last probably week. right. I think you're and right. So yeah. I was like, extra bonus, right? Like, cool because this is a, this is not something I uh, that may not have a theatrical run or at least not a local theatrical run. Now the downside was Tuna already saw this. Tuna hated it, so he got up and <laughs> left because <laughs> he was like, "Nope, not doing this again." Uh, so he was bummed, um, but he went and saw the Woman King, um, and he. I, I gotta say, I he had he didn't he like gave it one and a half stars. 
Um, I liked it. I don't think it's, uh, again, I would say it's similar, like three star movie for me. Um, I found a lot of it interesting. I actually really like Russell Crowe and there's a whole journalism part of the movie that really, that's a, a checkbox for me. Like if you do journalists well, if you give journalists justice or make them cool, I'm usually on board because I like journalism. Um, uh, but I, 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 you know, I think it's solid. I think it's an interesting story. It's also based on a true story. It's a wild story. Obviously some of it you're like, well, there's no way that we would know this for sure, but nevertheless, still very engaging and entertaining. So, um, I, I, I liked it. So I was happy I, I checked it out. Speaking of, uh, you mentioned Avatar. So I have never seen Avatar in the theater. And I honestly don't think I ever fully watched Avatar before. Like I'd seen enough of it where I felt like I had my decision made that it was not very good. And by not very good, obviously it's a gorgeous movie. There's no debating it. But it is, it is, there's a lot of problems with the film, um, with general <laughs> things. Like, there's the white savior complex, right? Like, Jake Sully just oh, yeah. happens to be the best. Uh, and, the, you know, there's some, some, it's, it's Pocahontas or it's Fern Gully. Like, it's, a, the story is very rudimentary. But man, Cameron does know how to make a blockbuster. And seeing it on the big screen in 3D, <laughs> uh, was definitely the way to see it. Um, it, it did suck me in uh, much more than I expected. Still don't think it's a masterpiece. I don't think it should have ever have been in the top. Like, I don't think it should have been the top grossing movie of all time. And I don't think it should be in the top five. But I do think it's super engaging. And I totally understand why people would go back and see it again. Because on a big screen, it is an experience. And so I'm a lot more excited for uh, Way of Water. Plus, I don't know oh, if you know this, Matt, but the re-release uh, for Avatar, they do have a, a mid-credit scene for The Way of Water. Um that might be worth venturing out to the theater for, I guess, if you're, if you can't wait till December, but, um, I did, I did, I enjoyed it far more than I thought I would. So Avatar has gone up in its ranking for me. I still don't think it's going to leave the cultural footprint that other movies do. Uh, Sully is just such a bland protagonist, but, um, I took my daughter to see Howl's Moving Castle on the big screen. Uh, we've both seen it before, um, but they were doing the Ghibli Fest and, uh, it was wild, dude, because uh, we we have a theater that's like forty five minutes away that does the Ghibli Fest. They they were sold out. I'm like crap. They another theater also forty five fifty minutes away, depending on traffic at this location. Um, but different direction had tickets left, but n- almost nothing together except for the front row. So we ended up sitting in ah. different rows um, because she really wanted to go. And uh, I, I liked House Moving Castle a lot the first time I watched it. I liked it way more on the big screen as I. Again, we'll always say I give my full attention at a theater. Um, the only thing I did not know going into House Movie Castle was that uh, this particular Ghibli film has a weird uh, teenage girl audience uh, because they think Hal is sexy. <laughs> is that, is and, that what you uh, think, John? Well, so you can't deny it. And it's Christian Bale doing the American dub. Yeah. Um, and when he showed up on screen, four girls... Uh, went nuts like i mean screaming like they were at a harry styles concert and wow, okay there were a few the people first... screaming in the theater tonight i will say in the uk so the first time the audience i was with because it was a sold out show i hadn't been to a sold out show outside of greece in a while and it's a small theater still but uh we laughed i didn't laugh i was like what's happening every other people laughed. I'm like okay this must be a thing i don't know about then the next time hal showed up they did it again and less people laughed third time he showed up they did it again 
And this time, almost nobody laughed, and they they got the message that it was it was cute the first time. Now it's annoying. Please stop. You know. Um, so yeah, the uh, house moving castle though excellent. Oh, uh, the theater we went to though they just added laser projectors to all their theaters. Um, I honestly don't know how much better it actually is, but it looked really good. So I'm going to say it was the laser projectors. I don't know. Uh, I, I'm not familiar with that technology outside of that. Uh, this theater now is, is marketing that all of their theaters have laser projection. Um, and then uh, lastly, I, I caught a screener for um, Mona Lisa and the Blood Moon, which is the new film from Anna Anna Lily Amapur, um, yep. who I love. Uh, the Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. That's arguably probably my favorite vampire movie. Um, at least in the top three vampire movies, I adore that film. And I like Bad Batch. I might need to rewatch Bad Batch because I definitely think I checked out a couple of times while I was watching mm -hmm. it. Um, uh, but, man, Mona Lisa and the Blood Moon. Um, I'm, I'm going to forget the actress's name from Burning, but she is the lead. Uh, she's fantastic in this. But Craig Robinson and Kate Hudson and Ed Scrin or Scrine. I don't know how to say his name. Dude, Ed Scrine is playing, like, basically Alien from Spring Breakers. Um, <laughs> if 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 he wasn't a total piece of crap. Because Alien's a total piece of crap in Spring Breakers, yeah. and I don't think that's uh, debatable. I think that's, like, the point of that character. This is like, hey, what if that same personality, drug dealer, uh, you know, white guy playing this kind of character, but he's, like, somehow charming? And if you've seen an Ed Scrine movie, he's kind of often forgettable. He, he's not in this and i was very surprised um pleasantly surprised he was a, a, a un, unexpected addition um but i i really enjoyed it it's a super wild movie um it's it's of the horror genre but it's it's doing its own thing like it's similar it's a, a girl walks home alone at night like it's like yeah yeah vampire trappings but i'm telling my own story so just get on board and, and ride with it that's very much in this it's not a vampire movie but it is like hey here's the premise but that doesn't mean you're going to expect any of anything that's going to happen in this. And it's a little plotting. There's things that I'm like, I don't know if I should understand her motivation completely, but I'm okay that I don't like, I'm not upset that I don't. So it's just, it's, it's one of those things. It's visually stunning, uh, really well performed and interesting. Like the whole time I was just like, yep, mm -hmm. I don't fully know if I get everything, but I'm okay with that. Cause I'm just enjoying what I'm having, you know? Yeah, I um I like Anna Lily Anna Paul's films. Uh and I did get a I think I told you I got an email about this the Ooh. other day, so I've got to request a a little link because I remember you said last week that uh Tuna was up on it and now I've heard that you've uh yeah. I've heard your opinion on it, so now I am of course even more excited to watch this film, John. Um and I've been playing Disney's Dreamlight Valley because it's my current obsession. I really like that game a whole lot. Everyone should play it. Um what have you been <laughs> consuming, Matt? Um, I've been enjoying listening to that actually, but, um, uh, on two, on two of those points, the, um, Gina Prince Bythewood is going to be in London in, on Friday at the cinema that we held our Star Wars event at, and I can't make it. She is introducing a screening of the woman King as she's doing a Q and a, and I know that cinema. So I know how close you'll be able to get and ask questions and feel like a real intimate affair. And I'm really bummed out that I just can't make it. Um, and avatar, um, yeah, I, the cultural footprint thing is what gets me until you said his name was Sully. I didn't know what his name was. I could not remember. 
I, I vaguely, vaguely remember that it's Pandora. I can't remember what the blue skin people are called. I just don't remember for this biggest film of all time. And money doesn't, you know, money's one thing, but you want to be able to, you want to be able to have that footprint. And I know a lot of people dressed up as the Pandoran people for Halloween, like the year or so it came out, but I don't really see any anymore. And, um, I hope, I hope Avatar 2 comes out and leaves more of a, more of a footprint especially in this kind of pop culture obsessed world that we've become since then uh and i i would like to try and get to the cinema to rewatch avatar on the big screen because i think i've only seen it once which was on the big screen way back when it came out but i have it on blu-ray up there and i do intend to rewatch it before the way of water comes out but if i can watch it on the big screen then even better and hey look if there's a mid credit scene which um increases hype for the sequel color me in again for the 16th time whilst i wasn't the biggest fan of avatar and i thought it was i thought it was okay i thought it was good but you know i didn't think it was it didn't blow me away but i want the sequel to succeed i want to go in and enjoy it. i'm not going to go in with the idea that i want to hate it so uh yeah watch this space if i can get a chance to watch avatar on the big screen i will otherwise blu-ray it is but um for me i listened to the wtf podcast with mark marone this week, his guest was Sig- Sigourney Weaver. So I thought that would be an interesting listen to about her experiences working on, obviously, Alien, Ghostbusters, uh, and all of the other films she's worked on. And it was. It was quite really cool to hear her story of you know where she came from, her rise up through the ranks of being, in her words, kind of like this geeky, uh, awkward, shy kid to you know somebody who kept being cast in films and kept getting roles and kept getting callbacks and of course we know uh what she went on to become so uh, that was an interesting discussion and mark marone was fairly less intrusive this time in terms of jumping over people um in terms i haven't watched any tv this week because the day we're recording um it's is before the major drops so um i haven't watched the new uh, episode four of and or yet i haven't caught up fully with she hulk i did watch rings of power i'm still watching rings of power and i'm enjoying it um i'm not i'm, I'm not as gripped as i was to start with I, I found myself having to kind of force myself to watch the last episode and it's not because it's bad because it isn't it's just not it just hasn't hooked me in yet the way that maybe house of the dragon seems to be hooking in those fans, but I don't want to make it a versus thing. Um, mm. in terms of films, uh, I watched poltergeist two this week, um, following up from watching poltergeist last week. And for a film that most people seem to hate, I thought it was okay. Actually. Um, I, and then I've watched two of the screen links I've been sent. Uh, one of them I can't talk about yet. It's called my best friends exorcism, which, uh, I'm looking forward to talking about more. It's an Amazon studios, um film starring elsie fisher and amelia oh. miller it's a it's a horror kind of horror comedy as well uh based on a f- uh, fairly successful book but the uh the film releases on the 30th and as far as i'm aware i'm not allowed to talk about it until the 30th but mm. uh, i liked it oh whoops um <laughs> i think it was a it was a film that comes out in a few days and you didn't hear what i've just said but um yeah i watched my best friend's exorcism and i also watched this real odd sci-fi film called vespa it's a part french lithuanian and belgium endeavor um directed by two lithuanian directors who haven't directed a film in eight years but um i watched this 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 came through again and it was played at fantasia this year and it was lauded there and there's a q and there was a q and a in la the two or three days ago which was um hosted and uh compared by ryan johnson 
and he was there introducing the film, talking about it, and with the cast and crew as well and directors. And I thought, well, that's that's interesting. You know, it's, I haven't really heard of this film yet. It's got one of the pot directors in Hollywood comparing this Q and A. I'm gonna and I like sci fi. I like dystopian sci fi. I'm gonna give this a watch. And dystopian sci fi is uh, it's become it is in itself a subgenre. It's getting very well trodden recently. And Vesper, to be fair, doesn't really change the rule book on what you'd expect. But what it does do is it's not about, it's more in the Blade Runner um, way of storytelling, not in visuals necessarily, but it's very, it's paced with purpose. It's very methodical. It puts its story first. It puts the characters first. And that's why this film is very, very good. And the, the the way they use special effects or VFX and practical one here in a film, which has a very small budget is sensational. This film, this world looks fabulous. Uh, and the way they use their exposition is, is, is great. The world just is, you know, you get a title card. This is what happened. Now, now this is how the world is, you know, and as we go through scenes, you'll see things and that's how you will, you'll understand what's going on in the world and any exposition you might need. I was so, so, so pleased by that, that we didn't get huge moments of backstory and people with a PowerPoint telling us what happened. Vesper is a very, very good film. It certainly won't be for everyone. You have to be patient with this film, have to be patient with it. But the, uh, I think it's, I can't remember her name now. This is going to, this is really bad, but the lead actress is only about 15 She's very good. She owns this film. And the uh, actress who she plays opposite is also really good. And their story together is so compelling. Such a rich storytelling. And uh, you've got Eddie Marson is just deliciously menacing in his role as well. He's always mm. good. He's always good. Yeah. But um, in this role, he is just kind of, he's he is the antagonist, but he's so almost understated that he is the worst kind of villain in terms of his actions and what he's doing, he is the worst kind. Uh, so yeah, Vespa was uh, really, really good. It's really surprising how much I enjoyed it, considering that it is very, very, you have to be very, very patient with it, but it pays off for me. So yeah, I, uh, they're the three films I've watched this week. Um, I was supposed to go and watch Smile this week up at Paramount in London, but I couldn't because I was busy, which is a right bummer, but I'm going to see that the day after we record this. So I'm going to be finally be able to report back and say smile with its fabulous marketing. It's got now, hopefully it is a good horror film. John and myself are getting more and more intrigued by this film as the closer it gets re- to release. So, uh, mm-hmm. on the next episode, I'll be able to give you my thoughts on smile may even end up being the film we, we talk about. Um, but that was what I've been checking out this week, JB and, um, some very, bloody awesome films there tv shows and podcasts we've also got to find other ways to remain bloody awesome jb in the week between recording so my friend how have you been staying bloody awesome in the last week well as the theme has gone uh, i've been getting ready for the hurricane um i was off work today tomorrow and now thursday apparently um because of the impending storm hopefully it will be one of those times uh which more often than not, when we have a hurricane day like today and tomorrow and Wednesday and Thursday, it is just bad rain and it was precautionary. Every once in a while, though, of course, uh, in my 40 years of living in Florida, uh, four times. But to be fair, in 2004, three of them all occurred within one month of each other. 
uh, we got hit bombarded by hurricanes that year. And I was 22, I think when all of that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it was awful, but, uh, you know, for 22 years, I had not witnessed anything like that at all. Like we'd had hurricanes, but they were always just like, by the time they get to us, cause we are in the middle of Florida. Um, it was never very bad. Uh, that was the first kind of eye opening. Nope. Sometimes it can be bad. And then it was sometimes bad three, you know, back to back to back. Um, and then 2018, I think we had, uh, Irma here that was very bad. And that was my first like full adult experience of a hurricane where like now my property was damaged and how do I deal with that? And, um, just literally had my roof repaired because of Irma finally, uh, just a couple weeks ago. So good, good timing. I hope, uh, find out how good my roof is if we do get this hurricane. But, um, I spent today getting the yard ready, you know, making sure there was nothing there. And it, it did prompt some things that I'd been putting off. Um, I've had two grills sitting on the side of my house that were needing to go to the dump, like not to my like community trash can, but like I have to drive like a 30 minute drive to the like county like landfill to dump them off. And I finally got motivated to do it uh, today because I didn't want like the hurricane to like pick them up and slam them into the house or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so my yard's way cleaner today than it's been in a long time. And uh so bonus, I guess. So getting ready for the hurricane, um, you know, having to go shopping. People here are being stupid, uh, buying up everything. Um, it's, it's, mm. I'm having a little bit of like pandemic vibes. Like people bought up all the water really fast. People have been uh, hoarding gasoline. Like, you know, you'll pull up and the dude's got like 25 gallon jugs in the back of his uh, pickup that he's filling up for his generator so he can watch, you know, whatever he's going to use it for. But it's, it's, it's shameful that people get so greedy when uh, everybody needs a little something. Um, and there was definitely plenty to go around, but people like to hoard and it's only gotten worse over the last couple of years. Uh, especially after, I would say after Irma, cause Irma, when you live through it once, when you weren't prepared, now people over prepare. And uh, so, yeah, you know, I've been trying not to be that way. You know, we have our uh, hurricane kit. We have, we've got some candles, we have a flashlight, um, we've got some non-perishable foods, you know, lots of bread and peanut butter and jelly, that kind of stuff. But uh, tonight, you know, tonight's kind of an easy night. Was, we've had the day off. Um, you know, Taylor and I went to the the landfill to dump the the, the grills, and then um, you know, we we went ahead and got McDonald's on the way home, just because probably not going to have fast food for the next couple of days available to us, um, because it, rightfully so, they're going to be closed so that their people yeah. can prepare and be taken care of in case something does happen. And again, best case scenario, Matt, we'll have some severe weather, uh, but it'll be mild at, at the big picture of things and business as usual starting Saturday, hopefully. But um, but yeah, it's always nerve wracking because now we're just kind of playing the waiting game. Like we have to hope everything will be OK, but you don't really know. Yeah, obviously, we do hope everything's going to be OK and that if it comes to it, then the roof, the guys who did the roof did the best job they could do and that yeah, you, those who hoarded didn't take everything in case people need to rush out in the days to come. But if the pandemics uh, show me anything is that people will hoard and they, and yeah. selfishly at times and unnecessarily at times. However, here in the UK, we don't have the, the issue of hurricanes. So in that sense, we are blessed. So we have there's once in a blue moon where this hoarding actually um, comes into play. But yeah, I certainly hope everything's fine. Hopefully it, you know, without meaning to use a poor choice of words, hopefully everything's kind of blows by and it's, it's fine. Um, yeah. That there's no loss of power and that 
you, but in a few days' time, you can look back and think, okay, thank God for that. We're all good. And, I'm, you know, again, touch wood, knock wood, everything will be fine. But uh, as long as you guys have got what you need and you've got a fine, healthy selection of Blu-rays or streaming series to keep you going, John, then, of course... I have downloaded work. far too many movies onto my uh, tablet. Um, so good that man. if the power goes out, I have stuff to watch, but... Yeah, no. Um, thank God for technology. Um, mine isn't anywhere near as um, kind of vital as yours or crucial, but uh, and it's also very quick as well. Speaking of hoarding as well, uh, I've been recipe hoarding. I've been saying I've been trying to eat better, but I've been collecting recipes from people far healthier than me, people I work with or people I know. Um, and I've literally, <laughs> I've literally got a PDF of about 115 uh, healthy recipes for you know you you know how you know how they can be divided up five minutes snack um get home from work and you haven't got time um so you know kind of like sun, sunday warmers breakfast desserts and that i've got this massive kind of repository now of just healthier but healthy healthy recipes that don't scrimp on flavor which has always been my biggest issue jb with trying to be like burke is <laughs> i just love crap basically i have sweet stuff and i love um if, like everyone, I love the stuff we're not supposed to, and it's the idea of not being able to have that is, oh God, I can't get over it. Even though I know I can have it, it's just all done in moderation. But if I know that I can have it mixed in with something and it actually becomes part of a healthier breakfast, lunch, dessert, then uh, that's a win-win for me, JB. So I've been now mm-hmm. uh, hoarding as many as I can in order to be like Burke and to try and lead a healthier lifestyle. So, uh, yeah, not is not particularly the most exciting one, JB, but I thought it was bloody oh, awesome. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a good one. I will take that, my friend. Anything that book, the book recommendation means an awful lot to me, so I'm taking that. Um, so in terms of Don't Worry Darling, JB gives it more of a thumbs up than I would. But uh, we are going to be back in a few days' time with our spoiler review where we can kind of get into the nitty-gritty bit more of what really goes on in that film. So please do tune in for that film. Uh, next week, it's looking like we're going to be talking about Smile next week. So I know it comes out at the end of this week in the States. It comes out tomorrow in the UK. Um, so it looks like it will be Smile, and hopefully we will give us something to smile about, John. Um, oh. Who knows? But I'm hoping it, I'm hoping it's another horror, a horror smash hit for this year. But uh, check that out next week then, guys. And if you want to let us know what you thought about Don't Worry Darling, and we would love to hear your thoughts either way, uh, you can find us online on Twitter at BAMP underscore podcast, B-A-M-P underscore podcast. John, where are we on Instagram? We are at Bloody Awesome Movie Pod. Uh, bloody awesome movie podcast on facebook if you want to find me you can do at what i watch tonight.co.uk and just search what i watch tonight across all the socials including letterboxd and john you are at uh burkreviews.com and at burkreviews on all the social media platforms uh, go and check john out and if you like what uh, we're doing here and we certainly hope you do please do uh leave us a five star rating and or review on your podcast provider of choice gets more listeners in it gets us up those podcast charts it's just another way for us to interact with more film fans each week as well but with that as always stay bloody awesome and keep watching movies Blood, 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 blood.
Bloody 